You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your host, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, Listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Not Your Average CEO Lifeline. Today, we are joined by CEO Richard Blank of Costa Rica's Call Center. Thank you so much for joining us today, Richard. We are so happy to have you on. Can you tell us and our audience a little bit about yourself and your background as a CEO? Absolutely. Nicole, Danielle, Cassandra, thank you so much for having me as a guest today, and I'm really excited to be here. Yes, I am the CEO of Costa Rica's Call Center. We're celebrating our 14th year, and my story really began back in Northeast Philadelphia back in 1991 when I graduated Abington High School. I I loved Spanish, so I was going to be a Spanish major in college at the University of Arizona. And so by mastering the language, I was very prepared at the age of 27 to have a one in a million opportunity to move abroad. And work at my friend's call center for a couple of years. And I really learned the business from the inside and out. And then in my mid thirties, I was ready to throw my hat in the ring and start my own company. And my wife and I did it from scratch. And here we are today. Congratulations on 14 years. Uh, Virtual Assist USA is also celebrating their 14th year this All year. Right. So we have we have that in common, Yeah, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, so is it Am I correct by saying that you decided to run a school for telemarketing? I like to think that besides my own call center, I do advanced telemarketing. I just don't give you a script and say, go make some phone calls. Nicole, what I like to do is I like to onboard. And since English is their second language, I take very seriously that delicacy of that investment. So we focus on the thesaurus. I concentrate very much on conflict management, diplomacy, and, and strategy on the phone. So we try to reduce any sort of rabbit holes. We're able to do first call resolutions, reduce our talk time, and our conversion ratios are better. So it's it's not this sort of frustration you and other people may receive when you're making a phone call into a company. We really try to give this uh, superior service. And so it is an art of speech. And so by running a school of telemarketing in, in the last 22 years, Nicole, since I've been here, I've trained over 10,000 local Costa Rican Ticos. And so I believe that my influence and, and my structure and the fact that we do follow the labor laws and make sure that agents are making calls with ethics, that's spread throughout some of the other centers as well. And so for me, once again, telemarketing might be given a, an interesting sort of reputation from what you see in the movies or sometimes you're bothered during dinner, but the four of us know that a lot of people do earn a living by making and receiving calls for a company. Yes. And we definitely do know that. So how do you approach those misconceptions of telemarketing, cold calling? Is it good, bad? How do you usually approach them? Well, that's a wonderful question. I, I'm very selective of the verticals that come in here. So as much as I'd like to grow past my current 150 seats, and I am growing slow and steady, I have to make sure I can fulfill the need of the agent. Since we're in a strict Catholic country, they have to go home and tell their parents what they do for a living. So it's not like I wouldn't want to take on a, a project, but there's a certain sort of profile of an agent. Not everyone sells stock. 
And a lot of companies that we have do work in other sort of industries, such as transportation or law, movies and music. These are some of the campaigns that I have. So that the agents that I do hire, I make sure that they're on a level playing field, that my clients do supply us with all of the resources. And even if they're short a little bit when it comes to a script or rebuttals, I can definitely lend my resources. And sometimes they don't have a predictive dialer or a CRM system or even a quality control department. And so these are the sort of things that we discuss so we can have a little bit more control over the coaching and reducing any sort of bad habits. But in regards to our reputation, as I say before, when you show empathy towards somebody and you don't make a telemarketer or even any sort of employee in any industry feel expendable or like a robot, you'll probably get the best out of them. So I think just by doing it old school, Nicole, in the way that we were raised, that stuff really gives you mileage and, and gives you the dividends. I agree. And, and thank you. I know you said that you love you know the Spanish language and you were given the opportunity. Can you talk to us a little bit about still why Costa Rica? I got so lucky on that, Nicole. Great question. My, <laughs> so if my friend wasn't here, I could have been anywhere. But well, that's right. This? Yeah. <laughs> if you can get past your parents' guilt, you can live anywhere in the world. So, um, and this was my argument. It, it just wasn't Costa Rica. I know that I was going to be an expat and living in a country that spoke Spanish. But when I was 18, and a lot of my friends were going to Ivy League and they were studying law, medicine, engineering, and architecture. Maybe I was the dreamer because I was just doing the long shot second language thing. And, you know, there's certain sort of opinions that are provided for you and people have certain career expectations. But when I had to make my argument to my family, I pretty much said, well, what about great grandpa? He came over from Europe. He learned a second language, English, and he started a company. So it's kind of our family tradition. So they allowed me to, I guess, follow my passion as long as my intentions were honorable. And it's not the easiest thing learning a second language. You really want to immerse yourself in it. And maybe that's why I chose Arizona. So I could do dedicated practice outside of the classroom. There's a lot of people that do speak Spanish in Tucson. And when I was in college, I did an internship for Telemundo so I could get experience, you know, work experience, but I could still use the Spanish. So I literally had to drink, eat, sleep, and live this to get it. Because some people have photographic memory or different sort of educational structures where they can just really learn materials a lot faster. But to me, I just wanted to do it through relationship building and going to movies and watching it in Spanish or, or having conversations. But ladies, I did know this, that I was marketable. If I were bilingual, I could do something that 10 of my best friends couldn't do. And a lot of the companies that hired me was the fact that I could enter these certain markets and just show very good faith off the bat by learning their language and being able to make stronger points. And so I guess it was really just the momentum, Nicole, that kept me to keep studying it. And I also saw the positive reinforcement from the clients that I got and how people received me when I was speaking that language. So it, it was really just something, a, a self goal that, that turned into a career and I couldn't be happier. It's, it's more of a luxury trade if you think about it. Yes, that, that's so wonderful. I, I know that you have to fully immerse yourself, especially with language. Otherwise it, it goes just out. It flows out. I've 
taken probably 12 years of Spanish and education and I cannot, I cannot speak it fluently. It's because I don't immerse myself. Um, but finding what you love to do is, I think, a, a blessing. Um, it feels like you don't ever work when you find what you love, um, and which is what I found here. So I, I can relate to that as well. That's great. Yeah. And you know what it is, if, if I may, it's really about grinding out the grammar. I mean, you have to study the subjunctive tense. You got to study the past tense. You have to, <laughs> you really don't memorize it. You got to know how to use it. And mm -hmm. do you remember the show Happy Days when uh, Potsy was singing his answers to this one test he had? <laughs> I had to create stories and songs in order to, you know, understand certain conjugations. So <laughs> As much as I'm repeating a poem or, or a song, it was helping Richard. And so if that's my cheat sheet, then so be it, Nicole. <laughs> Wonderful. I uh, have a question for you, Richard, changing this a little bit, yeah. uh, changing direction a little bit. So as you know, all of our listeners, our audience, our CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and they know that time, you know, telemarketing can be very time consuming, very tedious and, and difficult to do in-house. So how, how do you, as the CEO, you know, keep employee morale up, um, keep everyone happy and, uh, and keep your employees in a good position? We'd love to hear some advice for our listeners. Wow, Danielle, that's an amazing question. That's why I love being on this podcast today. I have so many answers to that. Allow me to go to start with my favorite. I have a gamification culture. So this is how I can keep morale high. I am an avid collector of classic arcade pinball machines and also the retro arcade machines and air hockey tables. And so I've created a neutral environment where people can let off steam, recharge batteries, make friends from other departments, and hang out with El Jefe. And so I always felt like playing a classic pinball machine can put you in a good mood. That's number one. Number two, since English is their second language, everything they're doing is a return on investment of their education. And so it is stimulating for them. And I don't want them to be complacent. That's why we're always constantly expanding their vocabulary and their skills. But they're doing such intense concentration for short periods of time. They're doing the double. Danielle, they're doing the listening, but they're translating. And so anybody that has that sort of ability has superior skills and we can definitely work with them there. And, and the first thing I do, my friend, is when they come into my training class, I put fear into perspective. If they think this new project they're going on is gonna be difficult, I, I let them know that learning a second language is 10 times harder than what they're about to do. And then also in regards to telemarketing and making it difficult, this, this is what I've seen without getting into too much detail. Danielle, when someone is too well rehearsed, they become commercialized. I see them almost as like a print and they're not a painting. I think somebody should be raw and show their essence on the phone is what they got them there originally. Now, I don't want them to be a clown, but there are certain things you can do on a phone just to show a little bit more active listening and sincerity, especially by asking, follow-up questions right. on things. And you know, my favorite thing to do is a positive escalation. Let's say hypothetically, I'm, I'm calling your company, not your average CEO lifeline. And, and I really want to speak with Nicole, but either you or Cassandra answers the phone. Well, not only would I properly introduce myself and be your biggest fan, but before you transfer me and give me the pass to pitch Nicole, I'm going to let you both know that I'm going to let her know how amazing you were. 
And so when Nicole answers the phone, I'm going to go, Nicole, I just got to let you know, Danielle and Cassandra are the greatest. And she's going to feel good. Then she's going to say, you know, Richard, let's have a nice conversation. We're already starting off momentum. I did it verbally, but also, Danielle, I'm going to do it in written as well. Because when I follow up with Nicole about the conversation we had in our next steps, I will mention you and Cassandra. And so when I call your company back again, you're going to answer the phone and thank me so much for complimenting you to Nicole and, and, and telling me more about your company culture and anniversaries and promotions and, and things where I could learn it better. And so if people are seeing somebody as a gatekeeper, as a filter, they're looking at it the wrong way. They are a gift. They are a plethora of information. And if they can go into these sort of calls thinking about just sharing ideas and putting your checkbook away because it's not a Glen Gary boiler room, Wolf of Wall Street clothes. You might build a beautiful pipeline. You might understand and respect another company's boundaries and, and their protocol. And you'll earn the good faith to be able to get their business compared to other people, Danielle, that might just be angling themselves to get an appointment with Nicole. Yes, that's, that's wonderful advice. I think that our listeners are going to find that very valuable. So uh, as, as you know, the title of our podcast is Not Your Average CEO. And one of the reasons that we have you as a guest on our podcast is we don't think that you're average. We think that you're doing things a little bit outside the box, um, obviously very successfully. So can you explain to us what being, you know, not an average CEO means to you and perhaps any advice for others? I'm so glad you brought that up, Danielle. Once again, excellent question. I'll explain it two ways. When I first came to Costa Rica, I did not come in at a C-level. I did not know the contracts or the finances. For four years, I sat with the local Costa Rican Ticos and I got to see the good and the bad and the happy and the sad of being an agent. I saw that side. And so once I became a C-level executive, you have leverage. I could hire, fire, make or break you. I decide to do the former. You really judge someone's true character during good times and chaos. And so my goal is not to intimidate or to destroy someone's morale in front of people for my own ego. That's the last thing I wanna do. A above average CEO shows empathy. They give dignity. They look to delegate so they can expand and scale. They're looking for certain areas where instead of being, you know, you're on the right bus, it's just finding the right seat for somebody. And if you could uncover someone's gifts, then what you do is you nurture that. And, and a lot of CEOs are, are maybe either egocentric or they're paranoid and they're control freaks where they do not want to give other people responsibilities. But in order for me to have grown to such large numbers and to have people with me over a decade, I needed to have more faith in others. And, and don't kid yourself. I've been disappointed sometimes. I don't get angry. I get disappointed. And especially during COVID, I expected some people to step up to the plate and disappointed me. And then I had others that were just great people, but really showed leadership, as I mentioned, among chaos. And so it really makes you humble and you're very grateful for those that will continue to put wind in your sails. And so being a CEO of a company, if you just want the title and the parking spot and the corner office, you'll get it. But you know, you know, sometimes these jewels lose their luster and you get bored counting your coins. 
and you're looking for other sort of stimulation. And my stimulation is how many families can I feed a month? And how many people can come up to me and sincerely say, thank you for giving me job stability and believing in me and not just saying, good job, champ. Well, what did Danielle really do? Just don't call her a champ. Let her know that you listened to her phone call last week and she was incredible when she was speaking with Nicole and she got the appointment and she used the rebuttals and she did the name drop and she did active listening. That's what you talk about. You give them, you give them real successes. And that's been my secret to success, ladies. It's, it's just once again, breaking bread with the people, having synergy where all parts work together for the common good of the whole. And just be thankful for every day. I live in paradise, Costa Rica. This is a one in a million. It should have never happened. My stars became aligned. So why do you think I click my heels and smile every day? I know you can't see me, but I wore a suit because every single day is a happy day for Richard. And if I can have that sort of feeling with myself, then ladies, I can expand and share that energy with others. Slightly jealous about you being in Costa Rica. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... With that being said, you have definitely provided some wonderful insight for our listeners, for us as a management team um, in general, to kind of just wrap things up a little bit. What type of overall advice would you give to our listeners and the CEO position, entrepreneur position, or anything like that? Yes, Cassandra. Well, the most important thing is that I have my own me time. I mean, this thing can be moving very fast. And so I tried to get, I, I can't do Eastern meditation. I just don't have that sort of discipline yet. But there are moments that I give myself so I can decompress any sort of crazy stimulation, let my mind wander and put things in perspective. And so there are three things I really love to do. I like to wake up every day and go to my home gym for a couple hours. So I take care of myself. I love washing my convertible on Sundays and I also like playing pinball marathons. So when I'm doing these things, I can reward myself, I can relax and have some fun. And I also believe that not to be so hard on yourself because a lot of the naysayers and the gray believers are the ones that love you the most. And maybe their N-O, Cassandra, means that they don't K-N-O-W enough about what you're doing. And so I think it's very important to go the distance, to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and have that sort of you know, you got to be valiente, you got to be strong, you got to stand up for yourself and be brave. And I'm not saying to just drop things on a whim and change your life. There is a certain sort of due diligence and preparation prior to it. But if you have a certain goal, you might be walking alone on this one. And it might be almost a forced march. But if you can go the entire distance like you have, Danielle, Nicole, and myself, there's no reason why we can't fulfill our own destinies. And as much as it sounds flowery and, and, you know, poetic, but look what I did. I'm a Philly boy. <laughs> How I ended up here is no idea. But this is what I do know, that if I never took these risks, I would have never gotten these rewards. And so I'm very satisfied with my younger self for making these big, big choices and following through with it. That is beyond excellent advice, Richard. It's quite, quite ironic. Um, that you brought up meditation. It was a very hot topic for Cassandra and I yesterday as meditation is, is something for me and um, maybe not so much for, for Cassandra. But um, the advice I think that you just gave about 
you know, taking those risks will definitely hit home for a lot of our entrepreneurs that are maybe looking to start a business or do they take that jump? So uh, that advice, uh, advice is very invaluable for them. Nicole, may I add one last thing? And then I have a question for you about meditation. Sure. I, I don't <laughs> want you to think your audience that I did this with a loan, a business partner or, or moving quickly. I first started renting a seat at a glorified internet cafe, like a blended center. And once I saved enough money and had a couple dozen, I then rented space and built out 150 seats in a server room. And after a couple of years there, then I was able to build out my own personal center where I own the building. And as grandma said, if you can't pay for it in cash, don't do it. And so what I did was like the, the tortoise, not the hare. And when I did have a few setbacks, I, I had enough acorns to last the winter and I could weather those storms. So I didn't give job instability and I wasn't angry all the time. It's not as glamorous as you think it is, but my suggestion is to save your money. And if you do so, it will give you that much more flexibility and you'll be able to handle any sort of um, adverse effects that happen to your business. And so my other question is, you were talking about meditation yesterday, and I, and I can't sit and do the breathing and the, and the humming and stuff. Can you give me one quick bit of advice that I could take with me for this weekend in regards to meditation? Sure. I'll give you the same advice, actually, I gave Cassandra, that you, you don't have to necessarily meditate to a specific type of music or sounds. You have to just listen to what works for you. So for me, it's very hard for me to steady my mind. I have a lot of thoughts, right, that run through just being my, you know, my personality and my behavioral style. I've learned to let them flow, um, not necessarily have anything in the background, but just to reflect on myself and let it kind of flow like a river, um, but also to just listen to what I need and not necessarily fit the mold of this is what meditation should look like. Um, so that's, that's my advice on meditation. I want to just quickly also touch on um, the wonderful point that you made about weathering the storm. It is definitely not easy to start from the ground up as an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of people may give up and we hope that this podcast will give them the strength to move through it and to really weather the storm, like you said. Um, so thank you for that advice. You're welcome, Nicole. Absolutely. Do you mind telling our listeners where they can find more information about you? I would love to. First, they can buy a first class plane ticket and fly and come visit me in Costa Rica. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. I know Cassandra wants to come down. I know she's jealous. And so uh, maybe the second podcast we do, ladies, will be on site in Costa Rica. For real, I would totally jump on that. <laughs> there is some ecotourism here. If you love waterfalls and the beaches and zip lining and the monkeys and iguanas coming up to your room, you would really love it here. But um, your audience can give me a call, 888 Shoot me an email, ceocostaricascallcenter.com. And I do have a very large Facebook fan page, about 98,000 local Costa Ricans are there. They cannot wait to meet the three of you when this podcast goes live. And also for your audience, it could give you a chance to see what the pulse is of business process outsourcing in Costa Rica. We're north of Panama, 
south of Nicaragua. We are the only democratic society. We don't have a standing army, so we put all of our money back into education with a 95% literacy rate. And you're going to love this. Companies such as HP, Intel, Oracle, and Amazon are here. So we pack a punch. And as I mentioned before, it is Central America paradise. We're on mountain standard time. It's a couple hours direct flight. And your buddy Richard is here. And you know I got a ton of suggestions for you. So uh, definitely use me as a friend and a resource in Costa Rica. Thank you so much, Richard. It was a pleasure having you on our podcast today. Thank you so much. Pleasure was mine. You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Els, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.